Welcome back to Atlantic and Coastal. This is the Athletics' new ACC podcast. We're doing episode two. We brought you episode one last week, preview in the conference. I hope you all listened to it. If you did, thank you. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for giving us a try here on the show. Uh, we're going to talk a, a little bit about ACC every single week here on Atlantic and Coastal, and we enjoy you uh, giving us a try here. This week, we've got Grace Rayner. She's our Clemson beat writer Going to give us all the scoop on the Tigers right now. Uh, pretty easy win for Clemson in that opener against Wake Forest. Uh, she'll give us her thoughts on on that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence emerging as a leader, if anybody can beat Clemson this year. Uh, and a little bit later, we'll be joined by Daniel Shirley. He's a staff editor for the Atla- the Athletic Atlanta. Uh, knows a lot about Georgia Tech. Uh, I was a little shocked. He picked Georgia Tech higher than last when we were doing our, our preseason picks, I had Georgia Tech squarely at 15th, and after one week, I kind of looked like an idiot with that. So we, we'll we talk to him about that big win the Yellow Jackets had at, at Florida State, uh, kind of surprising a lot of people there with that win, but not Daniel from the sounds of it. Uh, before we get to that, though, you know, let's talk about the big game this week. Uh, I think the biggest one on the schedule that's still being played is Miami at Louisville. A uh, pretty interesting quarterback battle between those two. College game day is there. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be there if it wasn't the only sort of marquee game going on this week. A lot of cancellations. I think BYU at Army was going to be an interesting one. Virginia Virginia Tech was a chance. But, uh, you know, Miami at Louisville is the only one standing at the end. And it could be an interesting one. I mean, you've got two really good quarterbacks in that game. Uh, I think we saw Miami's Derek King, what he can do when he came back into action after transferring from Houston uh, in that opener. And Mikhail Cunningham for Louisville, uh, a pretty impressive athlete as well. You know, kind of going through those openers for the two teams, I think Miami, it was really interesting to see that new offense. And uh, maybe not everything clicking on that quite as much. I think you saw Derek King miss some passes that he'd like back. And there was one on the, he kind of rolled out. He had a receiver wide open in the end zone, just, just tossed it over his head. Uh, but you look at the rushing they had in that Rhett Lashley offense, 337 yards. Uh, and that was against a top 20 rushing defense last year in UAB. Uh, Cameron Harris, 134 yards, two touchdowns. King was very elusive in that backfield. I, I think... It's a pretty interesting offense that Miami is going to bring to the field. I don't know if if that first game told you it was a complete offense. Maybe like to see the receivers do a little bit more, a little bit more in the passing game. But, uh, you know, they have not had a quarterback like that in recent years that can just sort of change a game like that by himself. I mean, there were a lot of plays where, uh, you know, UAB had King dead to rights in the backfield and he spins out of it and runs down the field and makes something out of nothing. Uh, I think that is a, a big factor this year in that Miami offense turning things around. Louisville, I didn't really have much of a chance to see them play uh, Western Kentucky. They won it pretty comfortably, 35-21. Uh, you know, that was a Western Kentucky team that last year won nine games, and, and including a bowl. Uh, so it's not a pushover opener like that. Mikhail Cunningham, 343 passing yards, three touchdowns. Braden Smith and Des Fitzpatrick both go over 100 yards in the receiving game. Uh, JV and Hawkins racked up some yards on the ground. This is just a good offense uh, that Louisville has. And it showed last year. Uh, it will show this year with those guys being more experienced this year. 
Uh, it this could be a really fascinating game uh, to to start the season, kind of see which one of these teams is for real. Both of them could be for real if if it's a tight game. But I, I think this could tell us something about maybe how these two teams' seasons uh, will go. So I'm excited for it. Uh, I think it got moved into the night game. Uh, now the Virginia Tech Virginia was was postponed. That'll be cool. Game day is going to be there, even though it's not a a full crowd for game day. That'll still be cool to have that at ACC school. Uh, the line I looked at it to open Louisville by a point and a half. Now it's two and a half uh, for the Cardinals. Probably seems about right on a home field like that. But you know what does home field advantage mean this year? Uh, you know those are two pretty uh, pretty evenly matched teams if you, if you're going by the line like that. Uh, I will be able to watch it this week because once again the game that I was supposed to cover was postponed. Uh, Virginia Tech and Virginia on Saturday morning officially announced that they were postponing that game. Virginia Tech's going through uh, quite a uh, COVID issues here in the uh, New River Valley region out here in Southwest Virginia. Uh, it's not great to have to sit through this, and I can only imagine what it's like for these players. Uh, you know, a lot of them. You know, it's not all positive tests. There's there's contact tracing that keeps t- players out for two weeks. You, you're getting them back at, at staggered times at practice. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a tough situation to get over. And you know, Virginia Tech saw NC State do this a couple weeks ago. They're getting through that. They're supposed to play on the 26th. Those two teams. We'll see if that happens. Uh, you know, I, I saw. It's interesting. I saw some chirping on Twitter. A UVA offensive line coach said said some stuff, and Charles Snowden said some stuff, and there's sort of a little bit of crowing on the UVA side about how well they've handled the the uh, the, the protocols and stuff. And it's, you know, I'd say maybe don't trumpet that too much. I mean, students just came back last week for Virginia. Who's to say in a couple of weeks if they're not in the exact same spot that Virginia Tech is? It, it's a tough thing to, to sort of corral as a community. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take too much for it to sort of get out of hand within the team like that. So uh, I don't know. I I would maybe not uh, go out there beating my chest too much about COVID this year because it is a a virus that is still very tough to understand. And it's going to trip up a few teams here over the course of the season. I, I don't think NC State and Virginia Tech will be the last to have games postponed here. All right, we're going to get to our first guest now, Grace Rayner. She's going to tell us a little bit about Clemson. Okay, we want to take a break to tell you about our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. It is incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. So you got to go on the site and check out some of the designs on this. I'm looking at this Colorado School of Mind shirt where it's uh, got Blaster the Burrow and sort of a, he looks like the sad Eeyore character and he's saying, howdy folks. Uh, I'm definitely going to order this shirt, and I think it'll be a conversation starter when I go around the places. Homefield has 90-plus schools, and it's adding schools all the time. If they don't have your school, be sure to check back because they're probably trying to get licensed for them right now. Syracuse fans are going to be happy. It's one of the newest schools to be added to Homefield. They've got some very cool retro designs on there, uh, some nice vintage stuff. They take your best old-school logos, and they make cool T-shirts out of them. Uh, I think every ACC fan, Syracuse included, is going to enjoy that. Show some school spirit for your favorite teams or alma mater. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use code ACC for 20% off your first purchase. College football's back. That's homefieldapparel.com and use code ACC for 20% off your first purchase today. 
Okay, we welcome into the show Grace Rayner. Grace is our Clemson writer. You might recognize her on this podcast feed. She's the former host of Protect the Rock. We just switched that over to make it a little bit broader. Uh, look at the ACC here, branch it out. But uh, Grace is going to be with us a lot on this podcast. Uh, Clemson is clearly the class of the league. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Tigers a whole lot this year. So, Grace, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Uh, I am insanely jealous of you because last week you got to cover a football game, uh, and it looks I like did. it looks like this week you'll get to cover a football game. That's not in my schedule right now. Uh, Clemson with a 37-13 win against Wake Forest last week. You were there. What is it like being at a game right now in this atmosphere with no fans? Game day was there. There's nobody, no fans at game day. It's got to be weird. Sure. Yeah. So. I, it actually wasn't as weird as I thought it was going to be. And I think that part of that is because Wake Forest had these very natural looking tarps and the natural kind of crowd noise they pumped in sounded pretty good. Um, but just from a logistics standpoint, you know, I've never been to a press box before where I have to get my temperature checked before I could go in. And so that was kind of the first thing I did was they, um, they check, or sorry, no, the first thing I did was I filled out screening on Saturday morning that if I had any symptoms or anything like that. And then I got my temperature checked, then we got cleared, went to the press box. Um, it very, very socially distant press box, like eight feet of room between all of the reporters. Um, but it was, once the game got going, it actually felt a lot more normal than I thought it would. So you, st- you stayed in the press box the whole time. You don't, you're not allowed down the field. There's no post-game interviews. You just stay up there the entire time. Yeah, we say the whole time. I mean, no field access and and then no, you know, tunnel access or anything like that. And so the post-game interviews, it was very bizarre. Like I I could see Dabo, you know, uh, PR team kind of down on the field and we were up at the press box. So like we were, you know, 500 feet away from each other. And yet we haven't seen each other in person since March. Do, do you lose something in that? I mean, do you feel disconnected from the game a little bit up there? Because I feel like that sometimes when it's closed off in a press box and you can't hear the sound very well. And, you know, when you get to go down the field at the end, you're like, oh, I'm in this. I feel like I'm there and I kind of take this in. But it, it's got to be a little bit of a challenge as a writer. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I just think that as and you know this as well as anyone that as writers, those that pregame chunk that we get where we are allowed on the field just to kind of see who's warming up, who might be hurt, who's there. And then those last five minutes when you can, you know, be on the sideline and kind of see everything that's going on is just so valuable. And so um, it was a bad day for me to forget my binoculars. That was a rookie move by me. <laughs> that's always a bad thing when you get there and you realize oh, that. It was the worst. I realized it on the highway and I was like, of all games to forget these, the, uh, pandemic socially distanced game is probably not my best move but yeah I did miss the field access for sure well it wasn't much of a game it seems like that happens with Clemson a lot I I was watching games all day and I flipped it over there and I I was watching games I'm like man it's kind of sloppy this just doesn't everything seems seems kind of slow and then I turned on Clemson and they're racing up and down the field I'm like oh they're a very good team and it's clear that what a very good team is like this uh they had a bunch of guys out uh, still rolled in that game. What was your biggest takeaway uh, for the Tigers in that game? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that we all saw Trevor Lawrence basically in midseason form. I mean, he completed 22 or 28 passes. And, you know, Dabo has said all offseason long that he had kind of taken things to another level and that they had kind of challenged him to just be fanatical about the little details. 
Um, but none of us really got to see Trevor. You know, the spring game was canceled, and so we we hadn't really seen him live since you know since that national championship game. And so I was curious, you know, what does an even better version of Trevor Lawrence look like? And so. You know, I thought he looked really good. I, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me is that we heard Clemson all season long or all off season long talking about how this offense is designed for tight end production, but they haven't had it since 2016. And we're finally seeing what a Clemson offense with a tight end who can, you know, be a factor in the passing game looks like. And so um, I think that a lot of things that Clemson told us we would see, we did. And then just defensively, uh, this is why Brent Venables makes, you know, two million dollars. He replaced a gazillion starters, and yet, you know, there they were doing doing what that defense does. It must be nice to go into the season and go, well, we're kind of short on the defensive line. Let's throw these two five stars <laughs> into the mix, and they look like seasoned veterans. Are like I've seen Brissy, and is that, am I saying that right? Brissy. Brissy. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Brissy. He does not look like a true freshman. I mean, he looks like he's been there a couple of years. He, I, we actually talked to him for the first time this week because you know Dabo doesn't make freshmen available until they play, and he was telling some random, he was telling some story about his family, but he was saying that he was just a sophomore in high school whenever he was telling this story, and he was like, yeah, back then I was only like six five to sixty, and he was like, you know, fifteen. I mean, <laughs> this kid is just. You're right. He doesn't look like. He doesn't look like a freshman. He doesn't play like a freshman. Clemson has said he doesn't process like a like a freshman. I mean, he and Miles Murphy are just Clemson really really hit big on both of those guys. We're seeing opt outs all over the country. Uh, Virginia Tech went, had one here. Caleb Farley opting out. A bunch of different stars in the ACC have. You haven't really seen that at Clemson. I mean, I know there was uh, somebody who's not playing this year because he had COVID and there was sort of an issue with that earlier. Uh, but, you know, the big stars like Trevor Lawrence, I think everybody expects him to be the number one pick next year. Uh, Travis Etienne, they're all staying and they're all playing. And that's not really unique to Clemson. I mean, even when they had those standout defensive linemen and everybody's like, these guys are all going to be first round picks. They all came back. They all came back and, and played to the end. How has Dabo Sweeney put together a culture that, that keeps these guys around, that makes them want to stay around that long? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the million dollar question because you're right these all these guys that we thought would leave you know have come back and so you know I just think that first and foremost he just recruits guys that really like to play football even as elementary as that sounds but you know I I also think and this is just my personal opinion but I think that when we saw Trevor opt in it kind of created maybe a domino effect you know I think you could look around and say well if Trevor Lawrence the presumed number one pick is here and wants to play and not just as saying you know I'm going to show up but is adamantly leading the charge you know in this we want to play movement Um, then I think that it kind of trickles down and and Dabo had basically said he we talked to him this week he said that after the Big Ten stuff came out he talked to his team and basically said look um, if you guys, you know, want to want to play, like you guys need to change the narrative that we currently have going on. Because right now the narrative is that oh the schools are making them play or oh the schools are making them do this. And so we obviously saw Clemson players uh, really run with that and and be pretty adamant that they wanted to to do this thing. It probably helps that they're playing for a national championship yes. pretty much every year. <laughs> pretty so much. it's a little bit more of a reward. It's like you can come back and play for a national championship while other schools are like, you can come back and play in the Belk Bowl. Right. That'd be fine. <laughs> right, it's, right. I, I don't know if the Belk shopping trip is necessarily worth it for a lot of these guys to come back. <laughs> 
you mentioned Lawrence and his, his transformation this year. Uh, I think it's been really interesting because those first couple of years, I feel like he was just sort of a guy that was there. He, he was a guy with long hair, you know, sunshine from Remember the Titans. He, he was the quarterback of the team, but it's not like he was an outspoken leader or anything like that. Uh, maybe not publicly, maybe internally with the team he was like that. But you see it this year. Uh, he's really sort of grown as a person, I might even say. I mean, he's a participant in a demonstration earlier in Clemson this year. He was ahead on that We Want to Play movement, the Our Voices Matter movement with racial injustice and everything associated with that. Uh, you've been around him for a couple of years now. How interesting has it been to see him sort of uh, speak out a little bit and use his voice in a, a larger platform? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's been extremely interesting, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, when Trevor came in as a freshman, he was trying to win a job. You know, Kelly Bryant was the starting quarterback. He was just trying to beat him out and, you know, take over this offense. And then as he gets into his sophomore year, Dabo Sweeney was saying, okay, he kind of becomes a leader of the offense. And now we see him in his junior year, and he is not just a leader of Clemson's entire team, but he's kind of the face of college football right now. And so I think this evolution of, of Trevor has been extremely fascinating to watch. And I think that He's just been very clear about, you know, I'm trying to figure out what matters to me and what I believe. And and as I figure that out, I want to speak out on the things that I think are important. And so it's been cool to watch him, you know, both process and kind of figure out what he believes about the world and society and then, you know, use his platform at the same time to, to share those messages. You've seen uh, Clemson be challenged before in the past. Uh, UNC took him to the limit last year. Uh, yeah, within the ACC, Pitt beat him a couple years ago. Uh, do you think that somebody can challenge him this year, or is Clemson so far ahead of everybody else that it's just it's not really close? I think if anyone's going to challenge him, it'll be Notre Dame. Um, but it just feel it's to me. It just still feels like there's a gap between Clemson and Notre Dame, and then Notre Dame and the rest of the league. But I don't. What, I don't know. What do you think? I'm not sure. I, I mean, you have to find some sort of vulnerability mm, yeah. in Clemson first, and you know, we, I guess what is the kryptonite on the Tigers? What, what is the exhaust vent in the Death Star here? How do you how do you get to this team? How do you beat this team? What's the best way to approach it? I mean, if you ask Davo Sweeney what his biggest concern is, it's the second team offensive line, which I feel like things are probably pretty good when you're number one uh, you know fear is your backups so yeah when you have to go to your backups that's usually a good sign it's <laughs> like well if we get the if we have a bunch of guys out we might be in trouble on this five-man unit up here right so I, I don't know man it's just I don't know I mean granted it's just been one one game and I think we'll see kind of what this Clemson team is going to look like as the season progresses but right now it just seems like they they've hit at every position on the recruiting trail um, so that it, it's everything is either filled out by these flashy freshmen or these veteran superstars. Well, they have one loss in the last two years to LSU last year, and that was a team that was absolutely loaded with NFL talent. So I guess if you have the runaway Heisman Trophy <laughs> winner and one, one of the best seasons in, in, in college football history, a uh, stacked team on offense and defense, and you're just hitting on all cylinders, that's the way that you beat Clemson. Right. It's, a, right. it's, it's just that simple. I don't see why nobody <laughs> else can seem to do that. Yeah, Joe Burrow is the kryptonite. That's the answer to your question. <laughs> Well, Grace, thank you for coming on the show. Everybody go follow her Clemson coverage. Uh, GM Rayner on Twitter, uh, an excellent follow. You'll be in the know about uh, Clemson all the time if you follow her on that. Uh, thank you for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me, appreciate it. Hi, I'm Andy Staples with The Athletic. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before, lemon-lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you celebrated a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions, and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some Liquid IV. You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code ATHLETIC at checkout and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Hi, this is Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. When I buy dress shirts off the rack, I tend to end up with shirts that drape off my broader shoulders and look boxy on me. Just the other day on vacation, we took a family photo, and the shirt I wore just looked way too big and wide. It was amazing how much better the photo looked when I switched into my new Indochino shirt. My wife and I had taken my measurements at home on Indochino.com and sent them in, and my new shirt emphasizes my shoulders, but cuts in so much better across my chest and stomach. I looked and felt way more confident and stylish. With Indochino, you can get custom-fitted suits, coats, shirts, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices, and you can customize everything from the fabric to the lining and the lapel shape, even add a monogram. The best part, Indochino's suits start at just $299 with all customizations included, and it's super easy to order and get it shipped fast no matter where you live. So go visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America, or do what I did. Book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Okay, I, I don't know how much we're going to find out about Clemson in that game against the Citadel. Not exactly the stiffest competition there, but they had to get a non-conference game in there. Uh, a team that might find out a little bit more about itself this week is Georgia Tech. Coming off a big win against Florida State, uh, will be hosting UCF this week. Uh, it's quite a stiff challenge uh, in that game, but a touchdown underdog in that. And to talk about it, we're bringing in Daniel Shirley from the Athletic Atlanta. Daniel and I go way back to our McClatchy days, back when we were down in the SEC country, him at the Macon Telegraph, me at the Cleveland or Columbus Ledger Inquirer. Uh, Daniel is now an editor for the Athletic Atlanta. Daniel, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, Georgia Tech, one of the most interesting outcomes this week. Uh, 
I, I don't know if a lot of people thought uh, that was going to be uh, the result in that opener, 16-13 win at Florida State. Uh, you know, I, I look at Georgia Tech, and I think I was like a lot of people. I just kind of slotted them in at number 15 uh, in my picks, 1-15 to in the ACC this year. Uh, would have done 7th if they were in the Coastal, but 15 team, that, that I was, you know, kind of automatically put them into last. Uh, how surprised were you by this initial result in the first week? Well, I, I, to be honest, Andy, I wasn't surprised. I, I picked them to win last week going into this game and I uh, had some people mocking me for it. And uh, I, I think it maybe was as much about Florida State uh, and having a new coach and kind of their off season of turmoil and those kind of things. But I, as we got closer to this game, I felt like Georgia Tech had a real shot to win this game. And now when it was down, when they were down 10 to nothing, five minutes into the first quarter or eight minutes in the first quarter, I didn't feel as good about it. But um, I felt like with this, with their growth and with Florida State having a new staff and, and you know, kind of learning through what they needed to do, uh, I, I felt like Georgia Tech had a chance, and, and they proved me right. I was say, you know, they played well, uh, didn't start well, but, but they really finished that game in, in strong fashion. Well, so, so it sounds like you were a little more bullish on the Jackets uh, than I was. We, I know we all did our 1-15 to 15 picks uh, for the Athletic, our preview. Where did you uh, pick the Jackets uh, to finish? I think I had them eleventh, so I probably had them higher than anybody else in the in our li- in our list. To be honest, because I think they did finish fifteenth um, on our list. So um, yeah, look, I just felt like the growth of this team and uh, the additions that they've had, and now they've got the quarterback. It seems like anyway, they've they've figured out their quarterback spot uh, that they were going to be a little better than everybody thought they would be. Now, is that going to add up to a bunch more wins? I don't I don't think so. Uh, but they certainly got off to a good start Saturday. Yeah, that was the thing last year uh, with them that I saw. And I saw them play. You know, they, they looked really bad in that game against Virginia Tech at the end of the year when they got shut out. I can't even remember what the final score was, but it, it was a shutout and, and a blowout in that game. And uh, James Graham just did not quite look like a Division One quarterback. Uh, I know he was... Uh, recruited initially probably to play the option there uh you know they got him behind center just did not seem like a guy that was going to be a fit for that offense there were a lot of guys that weren't a fit for that offense I mean I, I think they went I think they went to camp last year and they're like we don't have any tight ends we have like 15 running backs and no tight ends so that's pretty hard to, to change offenses out of the option like that uh Jeff Sims comes in you know, freshman phenom here wins the job right away. Georgia Tech really stole him from Florida State, which, you know, just twists the knife in this whole game. Uh, how impressed were you with him in this opener and just his poise? Yeah, I'm really impressed with him. I, you know, his first series of the game was really my first time seeing him play. I didn't see him in high school or anything, didn't know a whole lot about him. I know he had the size and, and uh, he was highly recruited and highly rated and all that, but I'm sitting there watching the game Saturday and the first drive, I kind of sat up in my seat and said, okay, well, this is what they want their quarterback to look like. And he's a big young, he's a big kid. He's strong arm. Uh, He's very athletic. Uh, He's smooth. I mean, just smooth in the pocket. And I will say poised. I I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen from him is poised because he made two pretty bad mistakes early in that game with bad interceptions and to see him just kind of shake that off and not be upset about it or hanging his head or any of that kind of stuff uh, was really impress- impressive to me. And um, actually, I have a story coming out Wednesday uh, morning in the, on our site about – I talked to Reggie Ball and Joe Hamilton, two former Georgia Tech quarterbacks, about him 
and what they saw from him. And the first word both of them used was poised. And uh, if if he can continue to grow, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him for sure. You mentioned Reggie Ball. I, I Didn't I see a stat in your story? He threw for the most yards in the game since Reggie Ball did in like 2003 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the first half Saturday, he had more yards – in the first half than Georgia Tech had passing in 10 of their games last year, the entire game. So um, just just really impressive stuff. And, uh, you know, Joe Hamilton said today he's, for the first time, he's kind of worried about all his passing records at Georgia Tech because if Jeff is going to be the starter for four years, he's going to blow Joe, Joe's uh, passing records out of the water. Yeah, I have to imagine for Yellow Jackets fans, this is just a breath of fresh air to have this i mean if you've gone 17 years since seeing a quarterback throw the ball like this and you know yeah they're so used to the triple option for so long and that did well for a while there but it's not it's not an offense that you like to watch all the time it's not like you flip it on tv and you really enjoy that unless you're sort of a hardcore football guy uh this has to be great with sims and it, it doesn't sound like collins jeff collins was too upfront about who was going to be the starting quarterback was it a bit of a surprise that sims won the job I don't think it was a bit of surprise that he won the job. To me, it was a surprise that he won it immediately because I thought, you know, no no spring practices. Well, they had six, but no summer to speak of, and you're going to go start a true freshman on the road uh, in a conference game. I thought Jeff Graham, uh, 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 James Graham would start and play a little bit, and then you kind of ease uh, Sims into the game, but that's not what they did. They went right with him. And, I mean, it makes sense, Andy. I mean, if you want to – grow this program and be what they they're what they want the offense to be and it's a developmental year why not just go ahead and develop the guy who you recruited who you think fits the offense and after Saturday he Jeff's kind of came to the zoom call and said he looks like a pretty good quarterback right and, and we all had to agree because he, he looked really good Saturday uh, flip over to the other side of the ball uh, Georgia Tech really gave Florida State trouble uh, especially up front. They were getting a lot of pressure. Uh, nothing new for Florida State. I mean, that seems to happen to Florida State all the time right now. They're, they cannot figure out that offensive line. Uh, 307 total yards for the Seminoles in that game. Uh, where is this defense at? I mean, that wasn't a group that had to do you know an overhaul, you know, a, a huge scheme change like the offense did. I'm sure they tweaked some things and changed some things up, but it wasn't you know going from uh, arithmetic to calculus like that, like it is right. on the offense. What's this defense look like this year? Well, it, and, and it is a bit of a change because they've got to get used to being on the field a lot more. You know, I mean, if you're running the option and you're having drives that are eating up half of a quarter, which Georgia Tech did a lot under Paul Johnson uh, and had a lot of success, too, doing that, the defense isn't on the field that much. So they've got to get used to being on the field. Uh, but I really thought after the first two drives, <laughs> and it's even funny, I tweeted it out after, the, after it's 10 to nothing, that it was too easy and the defense had to show some kind of a fight or it was going to get ugly. After that, that defense dominated the game and it was the more physical bunch. Uh, and a lot of people do that to Florida state. You're right. Their offensive line is not very good, but they, they really controlled the game uh, on defense. Uh, and Florida state had three points after the first two, uh, after they got up 10 to nothing. And, and I was really impressed by the Georgia tech defense. Curtis Ryan's looks good up front. Uh, he had a couple of sacks. He was named a, a National Defensive Player of the Year by the Nagurski Award today. Um, and just – I was – to me, the Sims story is big, and it's huge, and it's and it's gigantic, and everybody's excited about it. But the defense is a big, as big of a story with the way that unit played Saturday. 
Well, one win for Georgia Tech already this year. Is that what they had last year in the ACC? I'm blanking off the top of my head. They beat. They had two wins last. Oh two wins last year. They had two. Yeah, and then they beat South Florida out of conference. Okay. So yeah, they they won two games. Well, already halfway to last year's win total. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, we've seen Florida State play. We've seen the problems of Florida State. They have a brand new coach. I feel like we've sort of been through this before with the Seminoles. I, how much stock do you take out of this that Georgia Tech is? Uh, turned a corner perhaps this year or yeah. is it you know, just a result that they played a team that Florida State is that's a pretty big mess right now well I think you know I don't think they've turned a corner per se but I also think these toss-up games and I think that was a toss-up game Saturday the toss-up games in that in the conference for them this year if they can play like they did Saturday they can win those games where last year they really couldn't I mean they yeah they beat Miami but there was a lot of fluky stuff for them to beat Miami last year. They had a fake punt for a touchdown and just a lot of things that went their way. But they play Saturday, they play the way they did Saturday. Those toss-up games against an NC State or, a, you know, those kinds of teams that they have on the schedule, they've got a chance to win those this year, and they didn't last year. So maybe that is turning a corner. Uh, you know, again, I think Florida State's not very good, but I don't think we can – diminish what Georgia Tech did Saturday because of the way they played, not just the way, not that just that they won the game, but how they won the game. Well, we'll find out this week exactly uh, where Georgia Tech's at. They play UCF at home, uh, 7.5, seven and a half point underdogs in that game. Uh, this should be a really interesting game. I mean, if they're feeling good about themselves and I don't think UCF has played yet, uh, that could be a little right, bit of an right. advantage that they, you know, the Yellow Jackets already have a game under their belt. Uh, you know, sort of take us through this game. What do you see in this one? Well, I look, I would think that this is a big step up in competition. Central Florida is a better team than Florida State, but I, and it's at home, so that's a good uh, an advantage you hope for at Georgia Tech, even though there's only going to be – 11,000 fans there with what they're doing with the, uh, with the crowd. That's kind of what it was last year, wasn't it? 11. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think that this is a, this is a kind of a test game for Georgia tech. Cause you know, everybody's going to be patting them on the back. They played great last week. And now can they continue that uh, against UCF this week? We'll see. I, I, w- I would say this game's going to be a lot harder to win than last week's game. Uh, but you know, they're, they're feeling good about themselves and they've got a lot of momentum. Uh, we'll see if they can keep that going against uh, against UCF. Daniel Shirley, he knows uh, Georgia sports, uh, Georgia Tech specifically. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter at, at DM underscore Shirley, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y. Uh, Daniel, thanks for joining us and giving us a little insight. Hopefully uh, there's some more uh, big wins for Georgia Tech this year. We'll have you back. You bet. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Okay, that should be a real interesting game uh, for Georgia Tech this week against UCF. Uh, I would imagine if the Yellow Jackets win that, we're talking about a ranked team here, right? I mean, to start the season like this with you know so few teams that are uh, even being chosen from the pool of who you can rank, uh, Georgia Tech probably would get pretty close, if not in, with a win over UCF like that. Certainly in, if they beat UCF and get to 2-0. and uh, Florida State, meanwhile... Uh, man, I just don't know what is going on there. I guess we shouldn't be too, too surprised. I mean, this was a, a program that uh, I know we see the uniforms and we see the recruiting rankings that they've had over the years, but this is a program that's been problematic for, you know, this will be going on a fourth straight year here. 
Uh, Jimbo ran into struggles in his last year. Willie Taggart struggled throughout his time there, the two years that he was uh, the coach. And maybe it was a bit of a tall order to expect Mike Norvell to come in and clean that up in one game. Uh, certainly, you don't turn around an offensive line like that in one game. That, that's something that takes years to sort of get recruiting going and you know get back on the upswing with the, the healthy number of players there and everything that goes along with that. But uh, I think... Of all that, I expect that maybe the quarterback play will be a little bit better in that opener. And I know James Blackman didn't have great protection, uh, and, and they were on him quite a bit, but he didn't look too solid even when he had time uh, to throw the ball back there. And, you know, that's Mike Norvell's specialty is offense and, and why he was so good at Clemson, or so good at Memphis, I should say, and, and put things together so successfully there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see Florida State. They're idle this week. I think that probably helps them, you know, sort of regroup uh, – prepare for the next game against Miami, I believe. Uh, always a rivalry game that you want to win. Uh, and that one with Florida State, but I think they've got uh, a world of improvement they need to make before they're going to be too competitive in that one. Uh, Pitt is a team we probably should not overlook here. Uh, 55 to nothing romp against Austin P. I know you're, you're all saying, oh, come on, that was an FCS team. It was a, a pretty bad one in Austin P. That is true, but... Pitt has not exactly steamrolled these FCS teams before. Uh, they beat Delaware 17-14 to last year. Uh, you go back to 2017, they needed to go to overtime to beat Youngstown State 28-21. Uh, to So I'm not going to look at a 55 to nothing result and just say that it's more of the same for Pitt. Uh, you know, they, they were pretty dominated in that game in all facets, offense, defense, uh, every way they went about that. They looked pretty sharp. So you know, I'll give Pitt credit with that one. You know, go out and do what you're supposed to do and and roll over an overmatched opponent. Uh, that's what you schedule an FCS team for. And Pitt didn't go out there and struggle with that. So credit to Pitt. Uh, I don't know how much more we'll find out about Pitt this week. They host Syracuse. Uh, the Cuse uh, did not exactly light it up in the opener. In fact, I was kind of surprised at how bad the offense looked for the Orange in that game. Uh, but strange things do happen in that Pitt-Syracuse uh, rivalry. Lastly, wanted to hit on Notre Dame. Uh, 27-13 win against Duke. Uh, not an overwhelming uh, performance in that game. Uh, you know, I think the offense looked a little disjointed. Uh, the, the weather might have factored a bit into that. Uh, I think it's interesting, you know, Ian Book coming back, but a, a lot of the receivers from last year gone. That's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to get used to it. Uh, I know, uh, you know, you look at uh, Bill Connolly and his SP+, Plus. Uh, you know, they kind of, way different uh, returning metrics about how good a team is going to be from year to year. And one of the biggest ones is returning receiving yards. And Notre Dame doesn't have a whole lot of that this year. So I'd, I'd be curious to see how Ian Book adjusts to that. Uh, you know, it probably helps to get through that with a veteran quarterback uh, like Book. But, you know, he's got to you know, build rapport with some of those receivers, you know, brand new receivers. Uh, they seem to have an assembly line of tight ends there. I think they'll be fine there, but you still have to get on the same page with them. Uh, it helps to have a running game. And uh, dang, that was impressive what Kyron Williams did in that game. 112 rushing yards, 93 receiving. I'll add that Chris Tyree, the big uh, stud recruit they got out of Virginia here, I, I think he looked pretty good too. I know he didn't, he didn't have a huge game. Uh, he had a big run on his first one, I think 20-some yards. Had a, a nice kickoff return that he had. So it wasn't a, a huge game in terms of how much they used him. But I think he certainly looked the part. And if you have a, a combo of Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, I think that can make up for maybe some shortcomings or some things that need to develop 
in the passing game there. I will say, I mentioned I was on Andy Staples' podcast over the weekend, and uh, I mentioned that you know, Notre Dame hasn't had a, a good running back in recent memory, not that I could think of, and I had some Notre Dame fans uh, tweet at me to say, hey, uh, don't forget about Dexter Williams a couple years ago. He was pretty good in 2018. You might remember that 97-yard touchdown run that he had against Virginia Tech in that 2018 game. And I'm like, yes, uh, maybe I was out over my skis making that statement on the Andy Staples podcast. In my defense, two things. This pandemic feels like it has lasted 6,000 years. So, you know, 2018 is a long time ago in, you know, in my memory. And second, everybody ran like that against Virginia Tech that year. So they all kind of blurred together. Uh, not exactly sure if I, I picked that out of my memory for something else. Interesting stat on that Notre Dame game. Uh, it was the third best NBC Notre Dame audience since the start of the 2015 season. Uh, only trailed the Michigan game in 2018 and the Michigan State game in 2016 in terms of viewers. Uh, that, that sounds impressive, although I will say there wasn't a whole lot of options on Saturday about what we were watching. I, I think that was about the only game on and then Georgia Tech, Florida State was going on and they were in a lightning delay. So uh, if you wanted to watch football on Saturday, you pretty much had to watch Notre Dame. So I think maybe that inflated that number a little bit. Uh, Notre Dame plays USF next. Uh, that could be an interesting one uh, sort of based on their history there between the two teams. Uh, elsewhere in the ACC, we got Boston College at Duke this week. Uh you know, Duke coming off a game against Notre Dame where it didn't look too sharp. Uh, it kind of struggled offensively. Uh, BC opening its season like that. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll take out of that, but I think those are fairly evenly matched teams. Wake Forest at NC State. I don't know what to make of Wake Forest. I'm not going to judge them based off the Clemson game at NC State. I'm curious as a, a future opponent on Virginia Tech uh, just to kind of see what the Wolfpack have in that one. Uh, you know, weird things happen between Wake Forest and NC State. I think that's sort of a rule of those North Carolina schools that whenever they play, strange things happen. So we'll see on that as well. All right, well, that will do it for this show. Uh, if you've listened this far, we're hoping we have a fan of the podcast. Uh, and if you are a fan of the podcast, we encourage you to go to wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a rating. It helps us get the word out on this stuff. If you're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, it would be very helpful if you go and give us a good rating. Tell us you like it. Uh, hopefully you like it. You can also listen to us ad-free at The Athletic. Uh, that requires an athletic subscription. And the good thing is we have a great deal going on right now. $1 a month. Uh, it's usually $5 a month. We have a deal right now. You can get it for $1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash pod if you're a new subscriber. You can follow me at andybittervt. That is a Twitter account that a lot of billable hours and lawyer time went into keeping, so you should follow me there. I'll be chiming in this weekend, probably on the games. I have nothing better to do with Virginia Tech off for another weekend. Anyway, it's good to get back and uh, talk about football. We'll have some more games this week. We'll be back next week to talk some more ACC. Thanks for listening.